Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Throw your head back and open your mouth and shout praise the Lord in the building. Bless your name, Jesus. Has he brought you from a mighty long way? If he has, I want you to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye people. Come on, make some noise in the building. My Lord, have mercy. We've already had church in here. Now, God loves us to praise him, doesn't he? Because it brings him honor. And I want you to also give honor where honor is due by showing some love and appreciation for Wes Morgan and his family for being with us today. He and, he and Danielle and Joel, you'll, you'll see Joel, his son, he's five years old. He, he talks like he's 15 years old. He's a little man, but they've been out at the house for the last few days, and we've just, just been enjoying one another's company. They are family to us, and we want them to know how much we love them and appreciate them. Speaking of honor, let's, let's rest on our feet just for a moment. Just remain standing just for a moment. Where is Everett at? Where, where is Everett? Here he is right here. Happy birthday, Everett. We love you, man. Now, you can't get, you can't get a better birthday gift than Wes Morgan come and sing on your birthday. That's awesome. Speaking of birthdays, you know, we have an incredible staff. I was thinking the other day how blessed we are with so many preachers in this church that have been pastors, they've been in ministry. I listened to Pat and Michelle on Wednesday night. I listened to Carrie and Monica the Wednesday before that. And man, we're just blessed with anointed men and women of God. And I wanna show uh, some love and honor and respect to a man, it was his birthday yesterday, that has been with me since he was 12 years old. 12 years old. And he is a he is the epitome, he's the epitome of a son. He really is. And uh, we, I don't really know if we understand how blessed we are that he is here on staff at the church. But yesterday was his birthday, and I just wanted to tell him, happy birthday, Pastor Josh. Come on up here, man. I got you, I got you a gift right here. I love you. I love you. I love you, Josh. I know y'all love him one more time. That's a preacher, too. Somebody shout, God is good. And he's good all the time. Well, we're going to continue our series as it was in the days of Noah, and I thought I had concluded this, and then um, the Lord just kept really reiterating some things to me, and I really looked at it, and I thought, I was talking to Ron Carpenter a few weeks ago, and I was talking to him about this series, I said, it seems like it could go on 
for a long time. And he said, brother, don't worry about it. He said, I got on the subject of Ruth one time and preached from Ruth for an entire year. I'm not going to do that. Um, wait a minute. I forgot something. Where's Pastor Bernie at? He just, he just came up. Pastor Bernie, man, I can't believe you were here all the way from Dallas. Pastor Bernie Sanders drove up. I'm amazed. Come on, y'all, clap your hands. This is a preaching machine, too. It's a man of God right there. He'll take this microphone and prophesy over everybody. I think it's really cool when pastors come and visit other pastors, and I just love you. I've always respected you, admire you. Thank you for taking time to come today. Prayerfully, I can say something you like. It's hard to impress preachers, isn't it? I'm going to ask you to go to a different scripture today. I'm going to ask you to go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 20. And I'm going to read um, this one verse. And we're going to just jump right in the middle of this. Is that fine with you? And as I'm preaching, you're going to be praying for my voice, right? That my voice will hold out. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 20. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. Somebody shout it one more time. God is good. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. God waited patiently while Noah was building the ark. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. God waited what? Patiently. Father, Thank you for this incredible series we have enjoyed. I pray that people have been enlightened. I pray they have been encouraged. And I pray more than anything, they have been inspired to become everything that you preordained them to be before they arrived in this earth. And Father, for the next few moments of time, I ask you to anoint me to preach the good news to these, your people. And as the good news goes forth, we believe that chains will be broken. We believe that curses will be stopped. And we thank you, Lord, that revelation will run quickly through this building. Thank you, God, that you will breathe on us once again today. And people that are away from you will come back to you. People who have never known you will meet you today. We pray, God, you will restore marriages, revive hearts that are downcast remove depression despondency discouragement father we praise you that you're going to do things in this building today that only you can do we love you and we thank you that you saved us yeah you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light that we should declare your praise we are here today to see you to hear you to experience you to encounter you so have your way in Jesus' name. One more time, would you clap your hands, all you people, and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Now, wait a minute. I want to know if you believe God going to touch you today. If you believe it, then let your praise match your expectation today. Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Look at someone and tell them it's on in the building. 
and then you may be seated. We've been coming out of Luke chapter 17 that the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and inquired of him concerning when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus' response to them was that the kingdom of God does not come by observation, denoting the idea that the kingdom of God shows up by participation. God is emptying the stands of spectatorship in this particular hour. It's time to come out of the stands and get on the field. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're an important part. You are an important part. So God is restoring to you a sense of significance, a sense of importance. You have a personal assignment. You've not just been inserted, but you must be involved into or with the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? So as I'm preparing for this this morning, the Lord gave me these words I'm about to read to you, and he said, this is for somebody. So I'm going to read it to you just like the Lord spoke it to me. If we study and learn, we must believe that those who wrote history got it right. If we study and learn that the history we learned was wrong, then we must study and learn on our own. If we refuse to do either, we must believe and trust our teachers. I'll say it again. If we study and learn, we must believe that those who wrote history got it right. If we study and learn that the history we learned was wrong, then we must study and learn on our own. If we refuse to do either of, either of those, we must believe and trust our teachers. It's very important. In other words, if you don't have the time, the energy, the desire, or you just totally refuse to study history, you can't blame others for things you don't know. It takes a real discipline to study. It takes a real desire for knowledge to come to understanding. And then it takes a real desire for wisdom, for understanding to transition to application. You cannot apply what you do not know or understand. That's why Paul wrote Timothy and said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be what? Ashamed. God is good, isn't he? So as I've been studying the days of Noah, Jesus said, if you want to know what the kingdom looks like in the last days or the end of times, he said it will be as it was in the days of Noah. So if that's true, then we need to go back and look at the days of Noah. And we've done that for the last three and a half weeks. We'll conclude it today. We're going to do that by going to Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 6. And I'll begin reading right there. I'm going to ask you to stay very uh, attentive today because the Lord's going to speak to you. When you leave this building, your life is going to be changed. Not just challenged. Your life will be changed just because the word is preached today. Genesis chapter 8 verse 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth, listen carefully, to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. And also he sent forth a what? A dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest. For the sole of her foot. 
And she returned to him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put forth his hand, and he took the dove and pulled her in unto him, where? Into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. Everyone say second time. And the dove came into him in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. Say these words with me, the return of the dove. So when I'm reading this, as it was in the days of Noah, these two birds got my attention, and we've all studied them. And I'm going to show you some things today that you didn't learn in Sunday school. He sent both birds out, one a raven and one a dove. The word raven in Hebrew literally means the evening or the darkness. That's what raven means. It was a sign when the raven did not come back, it was a sign that they were still in a season of adversity. In other words, the effects were not over. The effects of what? The flood. Things had not ended. Things had not receded. Things were still going on. Therefore, the raven didn't return. There are some characteristics that you do know about the raven. For example, that the raven feeds off the flesh. The raven feeds off the flesh, specifically the flesh of what is dead. Huh. As I studied and started looking very carefully at the vocabulary, I saw something that stood out to me. That the Bible says that the raven went to and fro. I believe there's one other person in Scripture that the Bible says that about. The Bible says Satan goes to and fro, come on in the building, throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. The raven went out and the raven didn't come back and the raven went to and fro. I believe in this flood of pandemic, racial upheaval, political disorder, everything that's going on in this earth right now, specifically in this nation, that the raven, I believe Satan, is going forth to and fro like he's never done before, and he's seeking whom he may devour. I believe the enemy, if you pay very careful attention, is in the corner laughing because he is doing exactly what he came to do. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is laughing right now because of the polarization between God's people. How did the division that the devil has caused in the earth wind up among the people of God? You've got preachers that can't agree on anything. You've got people in the church leaving churches because they cannot agree with leadership. There's so much segregation that we can't find integration. There's so much division that we can't find wholeness. Are y'all in the building? And, and the raven is doing his thing. But the Bible also says, Lord, help my voice today, that he released another bird. And the bird was the dove. 
that same spirit descended on Jesus when he came out of water. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on him, how? In the form of a dove. The form of the dove is the endorsement of the Father. The dove is always the sign of peace. Now watch this. When the dove flew out the first time, the Bible says that she could find no place to rest. Hear what I'm telling you. So she returned to the ark. Noah sends her out the second time. The second time she returns with what? An olive branch. The Lord spoke to me and said, listen to this carefully in prayer today. When she returned, when the dove returned with an olive branch, that wasn't a message to the world. That message was for Noah. For Noah to understand that the intention of God was to do two things in the earth. Bring the good news of peace. The dove is a sign of peace. But also that olive branch is all about the anointing. Now watch this. The first time she came back, the second time she got an olive leaf, which tells me she could have landed. Listen to me carefully, but she chose not to. So the question now is before us, why didn't she stay if she could find a leaf? If you can find a leaf, seems like you ought to be able to stay because you found a tree somewhere. But the reason she couldn't stay is because the ground wasn't dry enough to have twigs, which means she couldn't build a birthing place. She couldn't build a nest. So when the Holy Spirit can't birth in a place, when the Holy Spirit can't build in a place, it will always return to the place that it came from. Are y'all in the building here? And until the earth was ready to receive her and she could build out of the earth, she was always going to return. But once the earth got to a place that the earth could receive what the Father had sent, then she stayed. I believe in this hour we've been living in, the Holy Spirit has been looking for a resting place. But the Holy Spirit ain't fixing to move like it used to move until he can find something to build with. I wish I had some church here today. We want the Holy Ghost to move and we want the Holy Ghost to stay. But the Holy Ghost is saying, give me something to work with and then I'll hang with you. Talk back to me. So the message is this, my intention is I'm not going to return if I can find a place where I can nest, abide, and birth. So I say, Lord, make Quest Church your nest. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? I said, Lord, make Quest the nest. Make us people that you can build with. Make us people that you can birth things through. Somebody shout the return of the dove. And I believe that the Holy Ghost on this next visitation in this last dispensation before the kingdom of God is manifest in its full efficacy, that the next move of God that's going to happen in this earth is going to happen instantaneously. And the Holy Spirit's not visiting this time. 
We've been praying, Holy Ghost, show up. And the Holy Ghost has been saying, I don't want to show up. I want to stay. We need to quit asking God to move one time. And we need to ask God, show up, Holy Ghost, and be here before we arrive. Because we've been doing too much pumping and manipulating and priming God's people. And pushing you into your anticipation. But no, if you will bring your expectation with you, the Holy Spirit will be waiting for you to arrive. Let me ask it like this. Is there a church out here anywhere that says we want the Holy Ghost to reside among us? Yeah. The return of the dove. So then as I'm studying the days of Noah, the next thing stood out to me. That in Genesis chapter 9, verse 14, it shall come to pass, God says to Noah, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Everyone say, the rainbow is a sign. Now watch what the next verse says. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh and the rainbow the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it listen what he says that I may remember the everlasting what covenant between God and every living creature on the earth verse 17 God said to Noah this is a token of the covenant which I have established between me and the flesh that is upon the earth. The purpose of the rainbow, everyone say the rainbow is a sign, is God, listen to me carefully, not reminding himself of you. He's reminding himself of himself. I hope you don't miss this here. Is God reminding himself of his covenant. It's the same words that God remembered Noah. Remembered, remind. Means to be mindful of in order to act on your behalf. It's not that he forgot. In order to, for him to forget, he would have to continue learning. Because he can't learn no more, it's impossible for him to forget. The only thing he's covenanted himself to forget is your past. That's the only thing in Scripture that the Bible says God has the ability to forget. Now, that ought to make a cold, old religious person shout right there. The only thing that he has covenanted to forget is your past. He will never forget his covenant. So every time you see a rainbow pop up, God's thinking of you. Somebody ought to shout right there. Every time you see a rainbow in the sky, it's God remembering his covenant with you. The rainbow ain't about the world. The rainbow belongs to the church. Y'all not hear me. The rainbow don't belong to a flag. It don't belong to a sect. Y'all want me to say it? It don't belong to a coalition. Y'all want me to say it? The rainbow don't belong to the homosexuals. The rainbow belongs to God's people. Somebody shout, that's ours. That is our flag. That's our sign. 
that we have covenant with God. Not the world. People who live by that covenant. So every time you see that rainbow, you ought to just pause. Put your hand over your heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the rainbow that God has given me. He has promised to protect me, to provide for me. Salute the rainbow and drive off. Quit looking at the rainbow in disdain. Quit looking at the rainbow in disgust. The world has taught you that. Somebody shout, that's ours. You know what? Just to make the devil mad in every principality and power and ruler in this region, jump on your feet and shout, the rainbow belongs to us. Say it again. Now tell your neighbor, that's ours. That's ours. Now let me finish this up here. So I started thinking about it. And I started realizing that the rainbow is only the rainbow because of two things. Light and rain. Revelation and rain. Illumination and water. Without a mist, you have no rainbow. But if you just have mist, you don't have a rainbow. If you just have light, you don't have a rainbow. You got to have a mist, you got to have moisture and light. The prophet Joel said there's going to be a day that God's going to rain or he's going to pour out his spirit. On all flesh, talk back to me. There's a day that revelation is coming to the people of God like we've never seen before. It's when light passes through the mist that the rainbow is formed. If The Lord spoke to me this. If you can see light or have revelation through the storm, you can always find a promise. It's when you lose your light in the storm that you lose your trust in the promise. My God have mercy. Every time you see a rainbow, you need to stop and say, God, I thank you that you're still giving revelation to your people. That even in the midst of the storm, you are giving us light. Take five seconds and thank him for the rainbow one more time. See, you still have trouble with it because this, this, this generation messed with your mind because of the flags and what they've made it stand for. That's Satan. He came to steal. I almost brought me a rainbow flag today. If I could have found one, I would have brought it. And I'd have looked right at that camera and tell them, you know what? We're taking our rainbow back. I think I'm going to get me a t-shirt with a big old rainbow on it and say, I own this. Oh, this is mine. Amen. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. Yes, the return of the dove. Yeah, God's good, isn't he? The rainbow is a sign, and you're praying for my voice, and I thank you. Verse 15, chapter 8. And God spake to Noah and said, go forth out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives. Bring forth with you every living thing that is with you, 
of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Why? That they may breed abundantly, like Wes and I have been doing, I'm sorry, in the earth, and be fruitful. These two girls are due the same week. They have the same doctor's appointment in August. And they don't know Wes and I called one another during the quarantine. I'm sorry. I don't want to read those two words again. I'm trying to get on the other side, them two words. Be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Verse 18, and Noah went forth, listen carefully, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatsoever creeps on the earth, after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Say this with me. Always remember your family. Point number three. Always remember your family. Point number one is what? The return of the dove. Right? What's point number two about the rainbow? The rainbow is a sign. Point number three. Always remember your family. What are you going to say about that, Pastor Rick? Okay, here we go. God did not speak to everyone. He didn't speak to everybody on that boat and say, all of y'all, come on. He didn't say, okay, y'all, you've been in quarantine long enough. All of you come out now. He spoke to Noah. Whatever God told Noah, that's what the whole family did. Say this with me. Someone has to be the leader. Yeah. Somebody has to be the leader. God did not speak to everyone in the ark. He didn't even speak to Noah's wife. He spoke to Noah. When Noah was building the ark, God only spoke to one person, and that was Noah. When Noah went into the ark, God spoke to one person, Noah. And he said, take your family with you. When it's time to come out of the ark, God speaks to one person, Noah. He says, now bring the family out. Someone has to be the leader. Someone has to have a voice in your life. Prayerfully, husbands still lead homes. That was a half of an amen compared to the other amen, but that's all right. Prayerfully, men still lead their families. And if there's not a man in your home, then prayerfully, mama, you are leading your family. Because what it looks like is a topsy-turvy generation where we pretty much do what the kids want to do. So it's all been turned over. So you go to the church that your children feel most comfortable at. You run your life and build your life around what the children want and desire. And everything is upside down. My Bible still tells me that the head of Christ is God and the head of man is Christ and the head of 
woman is the man. That's order. That's not offensive. That's order. That's not given for you to get frustrated and miserable. Man, it's quiet now. And the part of that verse we forget to read is that God is not the author of confusion, which means when that is out of order, confusion is inevitable. All right. I'll, I'll move very quick. <coughs> I wasn't going to read this, but I'm going to. I put this on Facebook the other day. Got some interesting responses. Now I'm going to bring it to the church. I heard this quote, quote last Sunday night on Yellowstone from Kevin Costner, who plays John Dutton. Um, Yes, I do watch Yellowstone. I don't need it. He said these words. I never had much luck leading men and being their friend. Now, that's not in the Bible, but after 40 years of ministry, I found that to be true. Leaders really don't have much luck leading men and being their friend at the same time. You can have 40 friends, but somebody needs to be a voice in your life. And I wrote this, one of the most frustrating things about leading a church is balancing between leadership and friendship. I've been in ministry for 39 years and a lead pastor for most of those years. I've learned that trying to be everyone's best friend is fundamentally a selfish act. Leading is usually lonely. It requires discipline and sacrifice. It's not about you and how well you are liked as a leader. Leadership takes courage to follow your conviction. That means stepping up and doing what is hard, no matter what it is. If you need a bunch of buddies standing around patting you on the back, you may want to try doing something else. And the last thing you must do is pray that your family follows you. There was one family saved in the flood and they were saved because somebody had a voice in their life and that was Noah I'm praying that men of God, all men stand please, all men stand I'm praying for you that God gives you a backbone like a saw log I'm praying for you that God gives you a heart that is galvanized with the conviction of the Holy Spirit I'm praying for you that you will wear the mantle of leadership in your family like God preordains you to wear. I pray against a passive spirit that would try to seek to set upon you. I pray against it in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will take a role of leadership. I pray that you will not allow the commercials in this generation to affect your mindset concerning your manhood and your manliness. I rebuke every feminine spirit that will try to attach itself to you. I pray that you will be the man that God has called you to be, to lead your home and to lead your family, that you would say with the words of Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I want every brother in the house to give God one big praise if you're ready to lead. Now, brother, shout back at me and say, I will lead. I will lead. 
All right, you may be seated. I'm going to start wrapping this up now. Mm. The return of the dove, the rainbow as a sign. Always remember the family. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Hmm. Follow me. Noah comes out the ark with his family. Are y'all in the building? The first thing he did was build an altar. Don't lose me. Not only is it the first thing he did, don't lose me. It's the first time an altar was ever built in Scripture. Did y'all miss that right there? It's not only the first thing he did. It's the first time you will ever find an altar being built in all the Bible. He exits the ark. The first thing he does is stop his family, and he builds. What's the last word he heard God say before he went into that ark? Build an ark. First thing he did when he exits the ark is build an altar. I saw something here. God did not tell him to build the altar. Talk back. God did not tell him to build an altar. It was his instinct to build an altar. It was his second nature to build an altar. Lord, help my voice. In other words, this is what you do when God spares you and your family. You ought to clap louder than that. This is what you do when God saves you and your family. It ought to be your instinct. It ought to be your second nature to stop and build an altar. He built the ark because God told him to. He built the altar because he knew that's what he was supposed to do. Y'all missed that right there. He built the ark because God told him to build it. He built the altar because he knew he was supposed to. To build it. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. Preach to yourself if you can't get no help. There are some things we should not be told to do. We should just do it. You shouldn't be told to bring an offering to the Lord. You shouldn't be told to pay your tithe. You shouldn't be told to lift your hands and worship him. You shouldn't be told to praise him. You shouldn't have to be told to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You should not be told that you ought to praise God right now. For No, it ought to be your second nature. It ought to be normal for you to respond to God. Somebody shout praise the Lord. So watch this now. Because now God did not establish the altar. Who did? Not a trick question. Who did it? Noah, not God. Noah did it. God took Noah's plan and instituted it as a pattern throughout all Scripture. One act of obedience, one act of gratitude, 
One act of worship established a pattern from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You find the altar in the book of Revelation. You find the altar in almost every book in the Bible because one guy said, I got to stop. I got to offer something to, I, I can't come out of here and look at my babies coming out of here one by one and all of them are still alive while everything else is dead. I can't just come out of this boat and just go on about my life like nothing happened. No, I got to put a pause in this thing and I got to tell God, I got to build something right here that you're not going to forget. I'm going to build a worship place right here God that you gonna remember for all of eternity I wish I had a church here today somebody ought to get on your feet and build you a worship altar right now because you are not dead from COVID you are not dead in this so you still alive if he saved you you ought to thank him I don't have time to preach this whole thing. Because if I did, I'd take you to Ezra chapter 3 and show, show you when the temple was rebuilt. In Ezra chapter 3, the first thing Ezra did before he did laid one stone, he built an altar. That any time you want God to rebuild a thing, to reform a thing, to revive a thing, to renew a thing, he don't do it on his own. He needs you to do something to activate him. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You're waiting on heaven and heaven is waiting on you. You're waiting on God to do something for you and God is waiting on you to give him something. In other words, if you've got a problem, the answer is not God coming down. It's your praise going up. When your praise goes up, the answer comes down. Tell somebody I got a reason to praise him. And it's Joshua and Ezra that builds this altar in Ezra chapter 3. The same Joshua that is found in Zechariah chapter 3. That he comes before God to worship him. And Satan steps up. And Satan stands on side of Joshua to accuse him. And he said he don't deserve to be worshiping you. Look at his filthy clothes. Y'all with me right now? This is the same Joshua that built with Ezra in Ezra chapter 3. He comes to worship God. Satan is standing there to accuse him. And he tells God, look at his filthy clothes. Zechariah chapter 3. I'm going to preach like you're hearing me. And watch what God says. I know this man. He's a brand that I have plucked from the fire. In other words, he might have some dirt on him right now. But he's in the right place at the right time. And when he starts worshiping, all his filth is removed. And you put priestly garments on him. You put a turban back on his head. Some of you are looking for restoration from man. And your restoration is in your worship. Your restoration is in your ability to stop everything and lift your hands no matter what you got all over you and say God I give you praise you saved me from the flood I give you praise you delivered me from a pandemic I give you worship and Satan standing there to accuse you and then the Lord looks at Satan and says the Lord rebuke you you don't even have to rebuke the devil if you are a good enough worshiper I'm going to say it one more time. You don't even have to rebuke the devil if you know how to worship right. 
If you worship right, God steps in and says, the Lord rebuke you. Let my man worship. Let my woman worship. What are you doing, Pastor Rick? I'm trying to find some worship in you. Stop being entertained by the pulpit. Stop being entertained by the platform. Stop being entertained by the praise team. You ought to have your own altar. You ought to have your own praise. You ought to have your own worship. Take 15 sanctified seconds. Throw your head back and tell him I love you. I praise you. I worship you. I give you glory. You saved me time after time after time. You saved me. You delivered me time after time. I can't help but praise you. I got to build an altar right here. Watch now. He built an altar to offer what? Sacrifices. Stand on your feet. The Bible calls it specifically burnt offerings. Help me, Jesus. Burnt offerings in the Hebrew means steps of ascents, stairs that go up. Every time you build an altar, altars always represent two things, sacrifice and worship. Some of you, it's a sacrifice for you to worship him. But when you worship him and you don't feel like it, good God have mercy, you take three steps up the ladder of destiny. When you praise him, and your body is full of pain. You take about four steps up the stairs of destiny. What are you doing, Pastor Rick? I'm trying to get a praise out of you. I'm trying to get somebody to worship Jesus Christ. I'm trying to get you to build an altar of worship. What are you doing, Pastor Rick? I'm trying to get you to lift your voice and praise him. The Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I don't feel like it. Well, sacrifice it and do it anyway. You better look at your wife sitting next to you, and you better lift your hands and say, God, I thank you for this woman right here. Look at your family and say, God, I thank you for my children and my grandchildren. I thank you that you saved us and you delivered us. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to praise him with an offering of thanksgiving. Come on, lift your voice. Now watch this. Watch this here. Tell your neighbor it's about to get dangerous in here, so move over a little bit because I might run. Tell them when I get this excited, I start swinging elbows, so give me a little room. Amen. The Holy Ghost about to drop up in his house. Lord, have mercy. Watch what he says in verse 21. When he sacrificed the burnt offering in verse 20, watch what 21 says. There you go. Watch what verse 21 says. Yeah, I hear you. There you go. There you go. He sacrificed in verse 20. But in verse 21, the Lord, you know what? Hold on a minute. 
Some of y'all, it's been since your teenage years since you put a radical praise on for God. Some of y'all, it's been 15, 20 years since you lost your mind in praise and worship. Some of y'all can't even remember getting so wild in praise. It's been so long ago. Why you let your praise die like that? Paul warned the church at Rome, do not lose your spiritual zeal. Do not lose your fire. Do not lose your praise. Do not lose your vehemence. Do not lose your victory. How? By keeping your praise high and your problem low. Some of you say, I ain't felt God forever. That's because you ain't praised him forever. I ain't felt the Holy Ghost and I don't know when. Because you ain't done nothing to feel the Holy Ghost. I ain't felt the Spirit of God for years. It ain't the preacher's fault. It ain't the church's fault. It's your fault because you ain't giving him nothing to work with. When you give him praise, he pours his Spirit. God inhabits the praises of his people. It ain't time for you to be quiet. It ain't time for you to be silent. The devil's been trying to take our breath. The devil's been trying to take our vent. But I came by to tell you, we're catching our breath now. We're starting to breathe again. We're about to put a praise on. Come on, y'all. Lift your voice and praise him like you just got saved, like you just got the Holy Ghost. Hold on. Tell your neighbor, here come the Holy Ghost. Here come the Holy Ghost. Watch here. Woo. Hold on. Verse 20. They offered the sacrifice. They offered the sacrifice. Woo. Hey. Hey. Verse 21. Hold on. They offered the sacrifice. Woo. What did they do? Tell me. They offered a what? Thank you, Wes. They offered a what? Have you ever sacrificed the praise? More times than you know. When they sacrificed, verse 21 says, the Lord smelled. God don't hear worship. He smells it. Y'all not hearing this preacher preach. At the first part of the chapter, God exhaled. He breathed a wind that passed over the earth. Made the flood roll back. But when Noah come out of that boat and he offered the sacrifice... God pulled the exhale back into an inhale. The word inhale right there, that the word smelled is inhaled, which means, listen, to anticipate what I'm about to do. I dare you to give him the kind of praise that he can smell. I dare you to give him a, the kind of worship that he can, he can smell. It builds in him the feeling of anticipation. It makes God want to get up and do something. It moves God off of his throne. He said, I smell something. Woo! I came by to tell you 
Your praise is cooking up a good meal. Your praise is sending up an aroma. Your worship is giving God something to work with. He smelled a sweet savor. I'm going to give you 15 more seconds to let him smell your praise. Let God inhale. Let God breathe in. Come on, y'all. Shout to God right now. Shout to him right now. Watch this here. To inhale. To smell means to be of quick understanding. In other words, God went like this, Pat. I know what that is. That quick. Oh, I know what that is. He sacrificed. God said, oh, that's Noah. Watch what he says. When he smelled it, the Lord said to himself, I will not again curse this ground. Y'all not hearing me. Your worship is stopping somebody else's curse. If you knew what your praise had the power to do. Watch what God said. I will not again curse the ground for any man's sake. I know man. The imagination of man's heart is evil from his childhood. But I'm not going to smite it anymore. Whew. While the earth remains. Verse 22. There will be seed time. Harvest, cold and heat, summer, talk back to me, and winter, day and night shall not cease. My God. In other words, Noah's worship kept the rhythm going. If he would not have worshiped, the rhythm would have been knocked off a syncopation. The axe, the earth would have fell off of his axis. But because one man decided to worship, he established a pattern not only with an altar, but he established a pattern with the axis of the earth that because this man worshiped, as long as this earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. In other words, when you plant praise, you get answers. When you plant finances, you get resources. When you plant love, you receive love. When you plant hate, you're going to get hate. When you plant care, you're going to be cared for. When you plant prayer, you're going to get healing. Woo. Watch here now. Watch here. The Lord said in his heart, I'm not going to curse it anymore. After God perceived the sacrifice, he reversed the curse. I'm almost done. Woo. Shout as loud as you can. Thank you, Jesus. Finish it up here. I'm gonna finish it up. Oh, yeah, go ahead and thank him then. Ooh, I love hearing people talk back to the Lord in church. The Bible ain't never said be silent in church. It ain't never said that. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if my people don't praise me, that the rocks will cry out in your place. You ain't built for a silent sanctuary. Everything about God is noise. Even when the bones come together, suddenly there was a noise and bone came to bone. What we need is more noise. We need more praise. We need more worship. Watch here. Watch here. 
when God smelled it, he said, I'll never curse this ground again. It'd be seed time and harvest as long as the earth remains. Now watch. This whole story, and this is the conclusion. This is the conclusion of the story of as it was in the days of Noah. Last line. This is it. You start earth in Genesis chapter 1. God don't. What do you mean, Pastor Rich? He destroyed everything because it was dysfunctional. It wasn't operating according to what he planned. Y'all just missed that right there. So he had to wipe the slate clean. So a reset button could be hit. So when God refers to the beginning, he don't go to Adam. He goes to Noah. The whole purpose of the ark rests in one sentence. Here it is. It is a mandate for dominion to be restored. God saved that family in that ark to restore his original plan. Listen, they didn't lose salvation. They lost dominion. You know what we've lost? Why are we acting subservient to the world? Why are we apologizing? Now let me tell you something. The government recommend us not to have church. I'll listen to that. But don't you ever tell me that you can't have church. Y'all just missed that right there. Don't ever tell me that you can't worship God no more. Don't ever tell me that you'll never walk back in your building again because that's when we're going to have to stand up and say, now hold on just a minute. You don't have dominion. God gave his people dominion, and it's time for us to get our authority back. It's time for the blood-bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled believers to look at COVID, Novid, Shobit, and Mobit and tell them to move on out the way. In the name of Jesus, we're going to assemble, we're going to worship, we're going to praise, we're going to sacrifice, and God's going to do great things among us. Now I'm going to give you 10 more seconds to praise him like you love him. You ask me, what can I do? What can I do? All I want is you. I want your voice. I want your praise. You praise everything but me, and I am the one you must praise. Praise, 
pray, pray. Ninety-seven-year-old mother in the faith, giving you the word of the Lord today, saying, "All God wants is your praise, praise, praise." Let me show you something. When we have dominion, we have victory. You lose dominion, you lose victory. Are you following me? For a decade and a half of the two decades, those of you who are church going people, Pastor Bernie. Where's Pastor Bernie? Is he still here? He might have to slip out. Okay, that's fine. But what is he here? Pastor Bernie, come stand with me just a minute. I want you to I want you to confirm this with me. This man's been on the front of a bunch of moves of God. And I, come up, go up those stairs and just stand with me. I just want you to co-sign for me. I love this man. Come here, Pastor. Just stand right here. I love you. Just co-sign on this here. Now watch this. Would you agree with me that for the last decade and a half or two decades that the emphasis, West, you the same. This is what we do our whole lives. Two, about two decades, decade and a half, the emphasis in the church has been on worship. Right? Would y'all agree with that? I, I, I agree too. Bethel, Jesus culture, heal songs, elevation. And it's been amazing because it's took us, it's taken us to a place of intimacy that we've never gone. Is that right? Well, let me tell you what that is. That's Noah building the altar. In this season, God has moved now the emphasis from worship to word. Worship activates word. Right now, people are listening to prophets. Preachers are back. Are y'all hearing what? Because there's a demand on the word. What is the word of the Lord? Well, let me say something to you. If you want dominion from a word, then you have to give worship as a sacrifice. Because when we're operating in word, we immediately have dominion, which gives us victory. Come on here, singers. Which gives us victory. And when you understand and get the power and the revelation of victory, then you realize, listen to me, guys. Listen to Pastor Rick. It is impossible for us to lose. I want you to shout two words as loud as you can. We win. Is that as loud as you can do it? Come on. Why do we win? Because Jesus has never lost a battle. Jesus is the ark. Jesus is the altar. Jesus is the answer. Come on, talk back to me. Jesus is the ark. He's the altar. He's the answer. The only way for you to have victory is to be locked up in Jesus Christ.